Welcome to AMP, the platform for age group multi-sport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome along to episode 51 of the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, your host, Richard Conway. So this episode's brought to you by Prescott Sportswear. And if you listened to the last episode, episode 50, you would have heard me introduce this idea that we were going to be sponsored by Prescott after Jamie Price, who was on episode 16, got back in touch and asked, would we be interested in doing a collab with him? As he just joined the company, it would be a really good fit. So I asked him to send over some of their clothing. He sent me over some bib shorts, uh, a cycling top and a jacket. And I've got to say, I usually wear Rafa and these um, products are as good as Rafa, if not better. With the sustainability um, edge on it as well. So, yeah, it was a no brainer for me. Two birds, one stone helping out Jamie and um, promoting a British brand um, who's trying to do better by the planet. So it's a win-win. If you're interested and you, you need some new gear, running, cycling or triathlon, head over to their website, which is prescasportswear.com and give them a look and read all about the sustainability elements of the brand. And also you can catch them on Instagram at Sportswear. So our guest on episode 51 is Matt Barnes and Matt chats to us about his uh, humble beginnings uh, swimming as a child, finding himself into the world of modern pentathlon, which you immediately think of as kids from um, a well-off background and horse-loving families. But uh, this story is completely opposite and it was just by chance that the swimming club had a biathlon part to it. Um, which gave Matt the opportunity to try the different sports. That being said, he still had to learn to ride, uh, getting himself riding lessons. He then discusses his love of running um, and the injury that finally got him into multi-sport. He was already in multi-sport earlier on in his career, but multi-sport as we know it on this podcast, uh, swim, bike, run. So yeah, lots to chat about. Fantastic journey, fantastic story. Uh, lots of ups and downs, as usual. Um, so that's coming up. I saw a post on Instagram from Verity Atk, an age grouper, and she was asking how people got hold of elastic bands for tying the, up the tri shoes to the bike. Um, and I've got to confess, and I confess to Verity, that I walked around the streets of Louth and picked up elastic bands that our local postman had discarded and rolled them up into a ball, much to the dismay of Mrs C. Um, But because we're now being um, promoted by a sustainable clothing band, I thought it was only right and proper to help out in some small way I could. Well, that's my excuse anyway. I was doing it long before uh, this episode, (laughs) and I've got quite a collection in my kitchen drawer. So that's a great idea. So if you're... uh, you know, if you're in town near a, a post office uh, or on a postman's route, just look on the ground and you'll find loads of them. I got another message from Black Flag on Instagram and he was asking, in my knowledge of GB Age Group, had I ever heard 
of three members of the same family all qualifying in one season because that's what they'd done. So it was himself, his dad and his brother had all got a slot this year. So he says that must be quite rare. And to be fair, I've not heard of that myself. Um, I've heard, I've seen and heard of um, a dad and a, a daughter or a couple of brothers or sisters or man and wife, but um, not three in one family. Um, and he goes on to say he just needs his dad to keep chipping away for 11 more years until his daughter's 18 and then they can all race together. Three generations, that would be something, wouldn't it? Just and I just heard this morning from Roz, who is one of our AMP Next Gen athletes, who was racing this weekend, trying to qualify for the standard Aquathlon GB spot. And she did it. If you haven't heard any of Roz's story, uh, please go back and have a listen. It's been full of ups and downs. And at one point, she didn't know whether she was going to be able to race. But she turned up at the weekend and yeah, she did it. She's she's qualified. And not only did she qualify in first spot in her age group, she was first woman overall. So congratulations, Roz. Hard work's paid off. And I look forward to speaking to you. And hopefully we can get a, another podcast out and you can tell us live all about it. Progress on my own route back to training and competition. Managed a full hour's swimming session um, last Monday. Got another one tonight. And... Started group riding on a Friday evening, so that's been great. Really enjoyed getting out on the bike with the group, especially finishing the pub at the end. Been building the running up slowly as well. Uh, did some hill repeats last week and also a track session, so yeah, it's all coming along nicely. Might even do a local duathlon on Thursday with Mrs C and some of my team WBC. And that's about it for this week on uh, a catch-up, so... On to our main event, and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, well, thank you ever so much for coming on. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm Matt Barnes. Um, I'm, I'm an, an age group triathlete now, obviously. Um, I've been not doing triathlon for, the, for that long. Um, I'd say I've been competing probably in the sport of triathlon specifically for about six years. Um uh, and probably the last year or two, I've probably been, I wouldn't say forced, but kind of evolved into taking it more seriously because I was probably running was my main background over the sort of the, the sort of medium to long term past. Um, uh, that was my sort of main sport. But I was doing a little bit of triathlon sort of alongside that. So I'd say I was a serious runner, but playing around at a little bit of triathlon because I'd done some cycling and I, and I as you'll probably find out, I did quite a lot of swimming when I was uh, when I was younger as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, I've had um, a slight issue with my hip over the last. Well, actually, the hip issue has been ongoing for about five or six years. I had an operation on it about six years ago, um, but in the last uh, year or so, it's been sort of diagnosed as, as a bit more of a kind of long term condition that I'm going to be have to be quite mindful about the amount of running that I actually do do. Albeit I can still kind of compete and, and do some training, but just not at the level of that I was. So I'm probably actually, funnily enough, taking triathlon much more seriously now. Probably training if I wanted to be a better triathlete. I'm probably training more how I should have been about six years ago, but um, because I'm no longer probably kind of competing at the level that I was with my running and, and able to do as much as that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing more on the on the swim and bike side. So that's actually probably helped my overall triathlon because, you know, I probably lost 
I do, I mean, sprint triathlon is my main distance. So I've probably lost, you know, 30, 40 seconds off the run, but I've probably gained as much, if not a lot more than that on the bike. So um, I'm probably a better triathlete now than I was a couple of years ago. I mean, the bikes, doesn't matter whether it's a sprint or a longer distance, the bike's the biggest component. So if you can get that, you know, sorted out and improve on that, you're going to you're gonna improve on the biggest component of the competition, aren't you? Bro? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And, there's, you know, for, for me, there's certainly because I've, I mean, I've swum from a, from a younger age as well. So I've always kind of swum. So I'm probably not going to, um, uh, if I can hold on to kind of the times that I'm doing in swimming it, it, and get maybe a second or two quicker, then that'll, that'll be a, a bit of a result. With running, it definitely is a case of maintaining the, the, the level that I'm at. Um, uh, but with the, uh, with the cycling, uh, I think I can, I've definitely got gains to make there because I've, I've not been in as sort of a, you know, a cycling kind of training environment uh, uh, really until the last sort of, year or two properly i mean I, yeah i was doing a little bit of playing around a couple of turbo sessions in amongst the running that i was doing but you know it's become much more serious in the last kind of 18 months really so a lot more structured then yes yeah yeah definitely cool so going back then to when you were a, a kid growing up you just mentioned there that swimming was the thing yeah so for I, swimming was probably the first thing that i started with um you know that was yeah, went to local swimming club, had lessons, um, ended up in the, the local swimming club. I was brought up in a town called uh, Congleton. Uh, we had a uh, Dane Valley swimming club was sort of uh, one of the main uh, clubs in the town. And I, I got, was a member there. I was, I was an okay swimmer. I wouldn't say I was anything particularly special. I had a few mates who were, who were, who were, um, who were fair, a bit better than me, but you know, I, I love my swimming and that Dane Valley was a good swimming club because it was, because I, I've got my own kids now and I'm always kind of mindful of these clubs that get, you know, the young kids training, you know, sort of six, seven times a week from being, you know, eight to nine years old. And my club definitely wasn't that sort of environment. It was competitive. We did galas, you know, you wanted to, to, to do as well as you could, but it was sort of, you know, there was like three or four sessions per week that the swimming club did. And I started off with just doing one or two and, you know, it progressed eventually to swimming a bit more seriously and swimming sort of three times a week. But you know, it was never that sort of, you know, getting up at like six o'clock in the morning, do you two hours before school. It wasn't that kind of club. But what the club did have was it had a biathlon club attached to it, which sent the kids to do uh, run swim competitions. Um, and I was, I probably found fairly quickly that I was, I was a, a better runner than I was a swimmer, actually, even though, as I said, started off, started off in the swimming club. So I ended up doing these biathlon competitions from being about eight or nine years old, um, they were always kind of on a Sunday and it was um, n- not like triathlon is. There's not the continuous element. You know, you went on it, you did a, you, know, you did some in the morning, there'd be a couple of hours break. You, you, you go outside and play football with your mates for a bit and then you go off and you, you do the run. Um, and the, yeah, the club was great. I had a lot of friends who, who were part of it. And these competitions were organized by, um, it was sort of the, the pathway structure for the modern pentathlon association, which was oh, the governing yeah. body for, for the sport of, of, of modern pentathlon. And you'd go along to these uh, these competitions, and they say, "Oh, come try a bit of shooting, come try a bit of fencing," to try and get the you know the kids who were probably the better runners and swimmers to you know eventually, I suppose, lead up towards doing doing modern doing modern pentathlon. And I mean, I was a kid who just I loved doing sport, I loved watching sport. So the idea that you could do a sport where there wasn't just one thing to do, you could do five different things, was a wasn't was an attraction to me. And you know, I was playing tennis, I was playing football, and I was doing a running and swimming and and then sort of slowly kind of started building up the, the various elements of the, of the pentathlon. Um, shooting probably when I was about 11 years old, it was just air pistol 
you know shooting yeah. so it was you know uh sort of a precision type shooting it wasn't a you know they i think pentathlon had previously used um uh two two uh pistols which are much more kind of you know they cause a lot more damage if you were to fire those at a target but yeah these are air pistols are tiny little pellets um and then started doing a bit of fencing probably when i was about 13 or 14 and, and around the same time started to do some some horse riding as well and I, I always I always bristle slightly because people are like, oh, put one pentathlon, that sounds like a really sort of posh sport. You must have had your own horse. And it was like, well, well, no, I didn't I didn't have my own horse. And in fact, my you know, my parents were really good. You know, they took me to like swimming club, you know, as I say, three or four times a week. But on a Saturday afternoon when I was learning to ride, um uh, my parents used to, you know, give me the cash for a riding lesson, but just said, well, there's a, a riding school, you know, at the uh, at the top of that hill over there. We lived in Congleton. There was a place called Biddulph Moor, which was about five miles out of town on the top of this massive hill. And there was a farm on top of it, which had some riding stables. They said, you know, there's a, there's some money. If you want to go and have your riding lessons, then, you know, you've got a mountain bike. You can kind of go and cycle up there. So I used to cycle up to the top of uh, this place called Biddulph Moor and have my riding lessons. And actually, of course, when you learn to ride, I mean, I was like sort of a mid-teens lad at that stage. And mm. most of the people who were learning to ride were like seven or eight-year-old girls, which for for me were, at that stage of my life was a completely uncool thing to be in a, this <laughs> riding lesson with like all these these young girls. So I, what, I didn't like tell any of my mates that I, at school that I was having sort of riding lessons. I just sort of kept it, kept it quiet, really. Um, and I was doing the odds competition in pentathlon, but my riding was, um, and still my fencing probably was not a particularly like high level or anything. Um, and it wasn't until I went uh, to university down south that, um, that pentathlon at that point kind of really, um, really took over for me. And, th and that's when I started taking it much more seriously. So it, even though I was doing all these elements of pentathlon during my time at school, and, and as I said, I had done the odd competition, it was still a fairly sort of low level but it wasn't until that sort of university period that i started taking it more seriously yeah you went down and met all the posh kids <laughs> well well i um i mean i went i um i was lucky i i, I was uh, history was my subject at university and i went to study at um at st peter's college in in oxford um and uh, you know i was just very, yeah i was very fortunate in that uh, I mean, pentathlon's look is a fairly small sport, so you can make an impact, you know, reasonably quickly. And there's, the, the, but there's also sort of small pockets of kind of where people are sort of training. And it just so happened, just one of those coincidences, you know, these these things for whatever reason kind of happen. You get the right people in the right place at the right time. Um, and there was just when I turned up at Oxford, there was sort of the the beginnings of what was a really really sort of strong team. Um, you know, there was on both the men's and the women's side, there was three or four lads who were, um, you know, sort of, you know, kind of junior uh, international level, um, you know, a couple of really kind of inspirational people there who were like really keen on the sport, who'd been in Oxford for sort of three or four years already. Uh, and, and on the girls side, a couple of, you know, really sort of strong athletes who were like me were sort of at the, you know, had done a little bit of pentathlon, but were, you know, maybe on the verge of kind of progressing to that next level and I think we just that team environment you know sort of even though it's an individual sport I think that's kind of team environment really sort of took us all at the same time to a you know to a higher level and just little things that my, my I ended up doing my first junior international um when I was like 19 nearly 20 in 1997 and the, the, the it was sort of the it was like the b team basically because there was a team that had gone to the, the the junior worlds that year and then they had another 
international where they could send uh, people to. And the three people that they picked were all from that Oxford, um, that Oxford team, basically. And um, so it was great that I was, you know, in that sort of environment with people who I was training with on a daily basis, but we were sort of pushing each other to, you know, at that, that start of a sort of an international um, pentathlon career. Yeah. And I think one element of that was that the, um, the the varsity match between Cambridge was also really sort of closely contested and a really kind of fierce competition. And I, I'd, I had no idea about any of this before I turned up in Oxford, but it was only once I got there and, and realised that, you know, amongst the students, that was like, a the, you know, forget your sort of your national championships or whatever, the varsity match was kind of the big competition of the year, um, which you think, well, surely that, you know, <laughs> how many good pentathletes can there have been at, at two universities? Um, but actually Cambridge also had a very, very strong team. Again, similar to us, you know, had a, you know some sort of junior international athletes and were, you know, were really, really quite strong. So the competition was fiercely fought. And like, like the athletes within Oxford itself had sort of spurred each other on, the fact that we had those sort of rivals at Cambridge also kind of uh, spurred each other on as well. So there's the... the the varsity match at the end of my first year, we actually lost that that match, um, and and that wasn't because we had we were poor. That was because you know Cambridge had just some really really good athletes. And then I I was became the university the team captain at the end of that year, and uh, and we were just really determined to kind of you know turn what had been a disappointment of that year around. And you know I was hopefully I was a, a little bit of a part of that and encouraging everyone to you know really sort of really train hard for that next year. And my story actually about this, the second year at university was um, uh, that the funny thing was not not necessarily on the men's side. I mean, that we we won our event and that was great. First time Oxford had won for for a, for a number of years. But on the women's side, um, they had the, the, unfortunately Oxford women uh, lost that varsity match. But they had two athletes on their team: uh, one a girl called Steph Cook and another called uh, Emily Durrell, who was American. So they were on the losing team in the varsity match. And then three years later, they were the gold and silver medalists in modern pentathlon at the Olympic Games in Sydney. So it, it just kind of, you know, showed the sort of the standard that there was that you could have these athletes who within that Olympic cycle were losing a, a varsity match. But three years later, we're going on and getting the, the two top steps at the Olympic Games. So I always use that as a sub when people are like, oh, how, you know, how serious can university pentathlon have been? But it really was a very, you know, a really, a really good, a really good level. And it was just great, great to be part of that. Made some, you know, I think you'll know from your time doing doing age group triathlon, it's it's as much about the people that you meet and as as much as that the actual events that you do. You know, you meet some some people who become really good friends and you see regular events. And I'm still in touch with a number of those people people now in one one of my really close mates who actually lives in Australia but he's just come back to the you know come back to the UK for a short holiday and we've been in touch quite regularly over the last few days so um you know you make you make friends for life and it, it, it was brilliant yeah I mean that's yeah that's an added bonus isn't it to, to keep him fit and you know doing the exercise and going all yeah. over the world with age group but yeah the people yeah. that you meet in the team is, and not just in your own team like GB you know, yeah. throughout throughout the world, you know, all different um, nationalities. It's just, it's really, yeah. really cool. So the next level, I think, was at, at, at that time, you kind of remember that there'd been the sort of disastrous Atlanta Olympics where the, the, the British team in general hadn't done particularly well. And sort of lottery funding was kind of coming in in then. And, the, and you know, the whole idea behind UK sport was to sort of, you know, make sure that we didn't repeat that that uh, lack of medals that we got from that Olympics. And more funding was kind of going into sport, more sort of training centres were being set up and and 
similarly with you know that was happening within pentathlon as well and that they got a new uh, head coach uh, who a guy coming from the czech republic and he set up a new national training center down in uh, down in bath at bath university so that was sort of 99 2000 when that was being set up um so that was once i'd sort of done my sort of university thing initially that was kind of the next step for me i'd, I'd stayed on in oxford after uh, for, for one more year to do a law conversion course after my finishing my history degree. But then as soon as I'd done that, I then went down to, um, to Bath, to Bath moved, moved down there, uh, moved in with another athlete friend of mine. We were sharing a place um, and did uh, and did a couple of years down in Bath in the, you know, as part of the sort of you know, Great Britain kind of set up there. And that's when having competed at that sort of junior international level, that's when, uh, pentathlon started to become, you know, quite a bit more serious for me. I mean, for, for one year, it was like a full-time occupation, really. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything else. I had a year out, wasn't doing any studies or anything. Um, uh, you know, was just solely training down at the center, going to, you know, training camps abroad, you know, regular competitions abroad. Um, and actually, uh, I always think it was, a, it was a, it was a good lesson about myself, I think at that time in that, that first year, when I was just doing nothing else apart from the sport, I actually didn't do as well as kind of I hoped I would do. And I think there was an element that, particularly when I was going to competitions, I was getting very, very nervous. I found you know, probably putting a lot of pressure on myself. I knew I was training well, um, but pentathlon, you know, because it's got that kind of skills element, it's not just the your sort of physical performance, but, you know, elements like shooting, fencing, riding, you know, you've got to have really good sort of mental strength for those, those disciplines as well. And, I was kind of letting myself down in, in competition quite a lot and not perhaps performing at the level that my training was suggesting that, that, it, that it, sh- it should have been. Um, and I think it was just, I, I just put myself under too much pressure to think I'm just training. So surely I, I'm, you know, I'm, I must be able to go to these competitions and, and be successful, but it, it didn't really happen that year. I mean, that would have been 2001. And I went to the world championships at the end of that year. Actually they were in, they were in Great Britain. Um, so I competed on sort of home turf, but, didn't have a particularly strong competition um but i then went i stayed in bath for another year after that but actually combined my time training with uh doing my final year of law studies so that was before i could go on and and work in a in a a law firm yeah um and i probably wasn't training as hard as i had done the previous year because of course i had all these kind of studies to fit in and the first part of that year was quite intense with the course and stuff um, but I, I just seemed to be competing much better. That sort of pressure seemed to not be quite as intense. And I was a bit more relaxed when I went to competitions. And I had a much better year that year in terms of my, my competitions. And I, and I finished up the last the last main event of the year was the World Championships, which is in Stan, San Francisco at, at uh, Stanford University. Um, and I, uh, I managed to finish, I made the final and I finished 24th in a final, which, you know, you think, well, 24th in the world, so that's, you know, <laughs> didn't get near a medal or anything. But, well, you know, still. that was, that was, yeah. you know, that genuinely was a, a quite a good performance. I mean, yeah, we'd yeah. not had, we'd had a couple of uh, British guys who, uh, a guy called Greg White, and another guy called Rick Phelps, who'd been sort of mainstays of the British team for many years, up until about a couple of years before that point. Um, and they were sort of the only ones who, who you know, sort of replicated that performance. We'd not had anyone from the sort of generation of the, the younger athletes sort of coming through like me who was, who'd sort of ma- matched that really. Um, so, uh, I mean, now we've got some, you know, we've got, we've got the Olympic champion in, in modern <laughs> pentathlon. So yeah, yeah. You know, finishing 24th seems like some, something and nothing. But 24th in the world. I mean, let's just yeah. say all we ever think about is first, second and third, don't we? Yeah. Whatever you're watching, that's all that yeah. matters. I've just been watching yeah. the cycling this afternoon. 
two of the yeah. Alps. And, yeah. You know, that's all you see, one, two, and three, that's it. But, you know, yeah. you've got to put it in the context. You're talking yeah. about 24 in the whole of the world. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. massive, isn't it? That's... Yeah, so and I knew where I'd come from in quite a short space of time, but that was a good result. So I was I was very pleased with that. And I and I did, you know, then there was a, a bit of a sort of choice to make because I had a job already lined up with a law firm. Um and uh, you know, it, it was do I continue sort do I sort of hold off with that job? You know, I've had a good success in this competition. And a lot of different things went through my mind at that at that point. Actually, one thing my mum hadn't been very well, she was um uh, and my family was obviously based up in Manchester and you know there's a lot a lot of different things sort of went through my mind at that point but and I, I just felt I I'd, I'd enjoyed that year but I almost felt it was go, I would have been going back to that previous year where I'd just been sort of full-time training and I knew that hadn't that hadn't really worked for me and I just thought do you know what I've I, I had a great time doing pentathlon it's been a fantastic journey you know great sort of eight nine years doing the sport and you know perhaps it's just sort of time to to knock it on the head you know sort of go out with a with, on a bit of a high really um but i didn't want to stop doing sport that was that was for sure um and i knew that was i'd, I'd actually won the run in the 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 pentathlon at the world championship so my, my run had, had always been a real sort of strong event for me and i'd never kind of really tested myself out just as a runner and I thought you know what actually i could still run twice a day and do a job um so let's let's just have a crack at, at running and kind of see where that takes me so that that's where the next sort of chapter of, of running came in basically and uh, and, I, and i moved on from pentathlon at, the, at that point in my mid-20s cool just going back to your pentathlon and you said you took the year out did you get funding for all that how was it set up yeah 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 so we got um I mean, I was living like, I always say to people, I was living like a well-off student, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was getting some, you know, very gratefully accepted money from the lottery program, but it wasn't life-changing money. It was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a sort of few thousand and, and the, also the added benefit of when you went to training camps, you know, you got your accommodation and you got your, um, you know, all your coaching and your, uh, your food paid for and stuff. So I, it basically enabled me to come out of, from my time of being a student without any debts at all, which, you know, not all of my mates who'd not been doing sport were able to say. So uh, it, it certainly wasn't making me any, um, and I wasn't making any money through the competitions either. You know, it was, I mean, I think I, when I won the run at the world championships, I think I got a pair of sunglasses or a pair of trainers or something. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely not life-changing sums of money. Now there's this, um, this fallacy isn't there, about people who go off and do all these different sports thinking that, they're actually making a living out of it. Well, actually, they're not really. They're just surviving, aren't they? Just, yeah, just doing yeah. it just to do the competitions. And yes, yeah. yeah. If you can make enough money to kind of pay your way, uh, you know, for a vast majority of people, of course, you know, your, uh, you know, your Mo Farahs or whatever, you know, make a, a very tidy sum out, out of the sport. Um, uh, but for, you know, for the vast majority who are competing at, at, at my level, um, you know, and even, even someone like... Uh, you know, Steph, who my friend who who won the, the the gold in Sydney. You know, she she retired from pentathlon in two thousand and one, and straight away went to went to work as a doctor. So you know, it, it wasn't like she then re retired and went to the went to the beach in Barbados on the proceeds of her pentathlon career. <laughs> Brilliant. So moving on to your the next stage um, in your in your sporting life, you mentioned running there. Yeah. Yeah. So. I I, I just I, I didn't know where you know sort of where the running would take me I didn't even know what my my event might be to be honest I mean I, I pentathlon was a 3k and I, I thought I always thought my sort of strength was maybe at an event slightly quicker than 3k maybe sort of you know possibly 1500 and I'd also 
one of my first sort of memories of life was watching Steve Cram win the the world title at 1500 in 1983. Um, and I'd, I'd love that sort of whole period of, you know, British middle distance running in the 80s. And like Steve Cram was a bit of a sort of sporting sport. Yeah, I was in the sort of Cram, Cohen, Ovet. I mean, Ovet was a probably... I mean, I didn't really get into sport until sort of 82, 83 really was sort of the first years I remember. So Ovet was possibly slightly past his prime by then, but I was definitely, uh, you know, like watching the Los Angeles Olympics, um, you know, Steve Cram was, I wanted to win rather than Seb Coe. So he was, he was my man as far as that was concerned. Um, he was a northerner. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he was a northerner. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just, he, he had just a beautiful like running style as well. He was, you know, similar sort of height to me and not that I've got a beautiful running style, but he, he just was, he was just great to watch. I thought, yeah. um, so yeah, I thought, you know, 50, I'd maybe try a bit of 1500 and, you know, try and increase my mileage because in pentathlon, I don't know, we've been doing maybe like 20 miles a week, perhaps of running. Um, cause we need to sort of save our legs for all the other events and particularly fencing. So I'd not, you know, I'd never done sort of big mileage. Um, and I, I'd, I'd done a couple of, um, uh, sort of inter-counties cross-country events. And there was a guy called Adrian who was a team manager for the Cheshire cross-country team. And I knew, I knew he knew the sort of area. And I sort of said to him, like, well, you know, what what running club should I go to? And he said, well, you know, I think Altrincham have, have got quite a good uh, running team. Maybe, maybe you sort of want to go and, and run down there. So I went down to Altrincham Athletics Club and, you know, straight away met, um, you know, three or four guys who've kind of become real sort of you know, mates for life, basically. A lad who my, was my best man at my wedding and, you know, you know, real sort of good friends. And and that was uh, you know, just a, a, a great sort of starting place for my, for my sort of transformation into a, into a runner, really. Um, uh, and was doing all the all my training sort of with Altrincham, just picking up as much as I could about running, doing a, a sort of a a more sort of endurance program to start with because there were a few of those guys are sort of 5k 10k guys that kind of worked in quite well with me because i was able to sort of build up my endurance and and get my mileage a lot higher and i ended up running you know once once i've been going a few years i was sort of running regular kind of 80 90 mile weeks over over the winter mm. um but then backing that off and do it and taking 1500s more seriously over the over the, the summer and kind of straight away i mean i thought to start with if i could run under four minutes for 1500 i remember that that you know, that would be a, a big achievement for me. And almost sort of kind of straight away the following summer after I'd moved back into back to Manchester, um, I managed to, you know, kind of break through 1500 within uh, uh, four minutes of 1500 within, you know, sort of a handful of races. And I thought, wow, you know, I've, 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 I've sort of made quite a big progress in, in a fairly short space of time. And um, and I, I got quickly down to about 346 um, over sort of first year or two which was a you know a, a pretty reasonable yeah, yeah. time for 1500 you know you're sort of knocking on the door of competing at kind of national level with that yeah. sort of time you know that sort of time will qualify you for like a national championships um so yeah and no, i was i was i was doing so quite well with that and love the training at altrincham i had a you know was getting some advice off of one of the coaches there and then there was a really another strong middle distance group in the manchester area sort of which which was more associated with it with Sale Harriers, which is a different different club and quite a well a, you know a well known club in the Manchester area, um, and they had a very well known middle distance coach a guy called Norman Paul who was um, you know coached a number of athletes uh, at middle distance over many years. People like um, Diane Madal and Anne Griffiths and Kevin McKay, um, Tom Lancashire, Michael Rimmer, you know pe- people like that. So you know he had, he has a really good sort of reputation, and I kind of sort of started joining that group after being back in Manchester for 
know, two or three years. Um, and that was, again, you know, I, I suppose it's a, I've never really thought about it this way until I've started speaking to you, but, you know, each, each time you sort of you know, kind of progressed as, as I've got on and I felt that, you know, I'd, I'd probably kind of reached the maximum of my abilities in, you know, first in pentathlon, then with the sort of the level that I was at, at uh, 1500 meters with with Altrincham at sort of that 346 level and if I was going to get to the, a bit of a better level then you know it was probably time to you know sort of take advice from elsewhere and move in with a different group and and that worked out really well so and then in 2006-7 were probably my best years at 1500 um, and I ended up running 342 was my I got down to for 1500 which was you know a good like you know national level time I was running kind of in the national championships made the national championships final um, and probably my, my best achievement um, was I managed to run a sub four minute mile in uh, 2007. So August 2007, when I was just 30. Um, yeah. uh, and I, I ran 359.57. So not by much, but, you know, as long as it starts with a three, that's the main, that was the main Absolutely. thing, really. Absolutely. So they, it was good. I was really lucky that day because the, they'd, they'd had... Um, there's a race called the Emsley Car Mile, which you may have heard of. It's always oh, been yeah, kind yeah. of a traditional race and, yeah. and you know, won by some fantastic athletes. You know, people like John Walker and, you know, Peter Elliott have won the Emsley Car Mile. And I think they, you know, they still have it now, but it had gone through a little bit of a lull in terms of the venue that they were, that they'd had it in. But they were, they were trying to sort of build it up again. And they had it at uh, one of the tracks not too far from a house in Manchester at Stretford at Longford Park. And right. they put on a good event, you know, that was a, day I ran sub four there was I think the race was one in 354 and there was about six people who, who managed to get sub four so it was a very high standard race but it was just great the conditions were perfect there was like no wind the temperature was perfect the race just panned out absolutely brilliantly for me they had a, a good pacemaker the first couple of laps an American guy sort of took off at the front and then there's a group of sort of four or five of us kind of in single file just just sort of running around one behind another and I've just managed to sneak under um, four minutes. And I, I think there's probably, you know, if I'd have tried that, that to get that time six months earlier or six months later, I might've missed that window. I think I was just in that sort of sweet spot. I was in really good shape that summer. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always sort of grateful that I managed to just kind of hit it right and get in again, right place at right time. So shows you that, you know, uh, luck does definitely play a part often in these things, you know, uh, you can train and, uh, you can train and compete as hard as you possibly can, but sometimes you just you do need that little bit of luck on your side. You do absolutely, yeah, yeah. But then you make your own luck by doing the work in the first yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've, you've you've got to get you put yourself in that right environment, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was. I mean, that was a sort of career at fifteen hundred, and then again, I, I suppose I've always kind of I've moved on from things quite quickly. I think once I'd, I I knew I felt like I'd. I'd I just didn't feel like there was anything left at 1500. Yeah. I, I just didn't think I was going to get any quicker. I thought I've ma I really have sort of maximized my potential for what, for what I could do. Um, and I was going back to that background that I'd had with Ulching, but I, I really enjoyed that sort of endurance side and I was doing quite a big mileage over the winter. And I thought, well, I'll just perhaps move up a distance and see, see how I get on there. Um, and and I, I sort of took to doing 5k over the next kind of three or four years. Um, and, uh, I really, funnily enough, I really kind of enjoyed that training and, and I'd, I'd probably take as much satisfaction, even though if you look at these sort of uh, comparison tables of what your sort of best event or what your best performance is, my mile performance kind of stands out as the best thing that I've done. But I do take a great deal of satisfaction that about three years after that, 
I train specifically to try and go sub 14 for 5k. Um, yeah. And I train really hard for that. And, uh, you know, I was doing very specific sessions, you know, just everything was kind of focused towards that. And uh, luckily enough, again, in Manchester, they had another good meet set up, uh, set up um, as part of the British Milers Club, which is, a, you know, it's a well, uh, sort of really well run middle distance endurance organization that puts on great paced graded races at the sort of top national end of, of athletics in, in Britain. Um, they've done a sort of a sterling job really with, you know, um, kind of keeping standards high uh, at, at, the, at those sort of events. Um, so I, w- I went and ran in the, the A race at the, the, that British Milers Club meet in Manchester and just sneak again, just sneaked under um, uh, 14 minutes for 5k. I managed to run 13.58 and that was, I think that was 2010 when I did that. Um, wow. So, so yeah, I was, I was quite lucky and I, ju- I just fell on the right side of, of two quite big barriers, really. So it's always good to say that I've run 13 something for, uh, for 5k. And I was really, really proud of that achievement. As I say, probably not quite as good as, as the 5k on you, on your, as, the, as a mile on your sort of metrics tables, but um, still something that I'm, I was particularly proud of. And I just, I remember being so kind of attuned to what I needed to do to, because it's to run 5k you're looking at sort of 67 second laps and you know at at that time my coach could have said go and run a lap in 66 seconds or go and run a lap in 67 seconds and I could have I could pretty much have done it without even looking at my watch I kind of knew just exactly what it felt like you know whereas you know if you took someone out of I always think if you took someone out of a pub out of a pub and said you know go and run a lap in in that time they'd be They'd be like 20, 30 seconds off, wouldn't they? But I was just so kind of, you know, uh, attuned with what needed to be done for that race that, um, you know, I could I could have done it to within like half a second, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Into, your body does become, I think we get too much reliant on this, don't we, sometimes? On, yeah, yes. On the watches yeah. and things, it's good to sometimes just go out and not, not run with anything and just yeah. see where you're at and yeah yeah some of my better road races are you know have, have been like that or yeah. yeah like the odd race back in the day when your watch used to fail on you or something and you kind of lose the metrics and actually you run uh in fact i remember back in the day i didn't used to run with a rock with a watch on at all and i always used it was like a little bit of a superstition of mine um particularly when i was running on the track when i was running at 1500 i just thought well you know what what is the point in kind of having yeah. having the watch on really like you know there's not you know just just race it um you know don't don't worry too much about what the time is is going to be or might be or is it halfway around the race and it was a bit of a superstition that i always took my watch off it's only recently now that you know i mean everyone runs the watch nowadays yeah, don't they yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't got a garment if it's not on strava you haven't done it have it's you? not it's not happened it didn't even happen <laughs> no yeah you're right <laughs> excellent excellent yeah yeah so, so moving on from the running then how did that obviously you, you'd mentioned in the re- your email that you'd you'd suffered injury was that through all the running that you'd done or yeah it it's hard to tell uh, whether it's a, it, whether it was something that was always there whether the running's exacerbated i don't think i'll ever get the genuine answer to that but it, but effectively i got um i had a bone spur at the end of my femur so the bit that sort of connects into your hip socket joint um and it my hip started getting quite painful um must have been about 2014 I started getting trouble with it and you know it got to the point where I just wasn't able to kind of run at all eventually went to the doctor got it you know got it scanned and and they said they they diagnosed this problem um and I had this operation where they effectively did three things they kind of shaved the bone spur off they got rid of the sort of growth at the end of the bone Uh, that caused some damage to the cartilage so they kind of got rid of all the the damaged cartilage and then they also did this thing sounds a bit weird but they do a micro fracture where they effectively kind of break your bone at the end and that 
stimulates the bone marrow to kind of regrow as a sort of a layer of sort of absorbency because you've obviously lost a lot of cartilage. So, yeah. and cartilage doesn't regrow itself. So you need, you need that sort of, um, you know, extra sort of absorbency, you know, in, in the hip joint itself. Um, and I actually got running, you know, I, I got going back running pretty well from after the operation in, which must've been about 2000, 2015, the operation was, um, I definitely lost a little bit. Like at that time I was, and it's, it's hard to know, isn't it? Cause by that stage I was mid thirties now I was yeah. starting to slow up a little bit anyway. So I'd, I'd run 29, 30 for 10 K, but I'd say, probably fair to say by about 2014 15 I was probably only in about maybe just outside 30 minute shape so I wasn't quite in the sort of form that I had been three or four years ago in my sort of early to mid early to you know early 30s really um uh so I got and I got back after the operation I was probably still in not far off like 31 minute shape 31 10 minute 10k shape so I wasn't in you know I'd not lost huge amounts, but there definitely was, you know, I'd, I'd lost a, an element of it. Um, and of course, as part of all the, you know, the rehab, I wasn't able to do as much running. So I was filling in a little bit with doing some swimming and I'd, I was, uh, I, I would, I'd, I'd cycled to work as well. So I was perhaps taking the cycling a little bit more seriously rather than just going to and from the house. Occasionally I would kind of, you know, do a roundabout way and do an extra, you know, half an hour or so. So I was starting to do all those little elements of triathlon and I thought, you know what, why don't I just enter a triathlon and just, just see how I get on. Do you think in the back of your mind, because of you had the issue with running, you thought about triathlon anyway? Do you think? Yeah. 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 You you were trying to build up to, or you were going to build up to doing a triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, and I was just like really kind of inexperienced. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about kind of proper cycling training. I didn't have my bike set up. I like literally had, you know, a 500 quid road bike and, you know, it got to sort of week before the comp, the week before the first triathlon that I did. And, um, you know, someone suggested, well, you know, have you got, uh, have you got like a, a, a time trial bike? And I was like, like time trial bike, you know, well, you, <laughs> do you think I need to take one of those? This, minute, this is my first triathlon. Why do yeah. I want to, you know, and, and yeah, of course I, I knew I, I watched sports. So I knew time trial bikes existed, but it had never even gone through my head. And I thought, well, well, how, how do I even sort of balance on the, on the sort of bars and stuff? And I was a bit, a bit sort of nervous about it. So anyway, I got a pair of clip on like aero bars as most yeah, people yeah. do. Um, and, and actually, I think I, I spent, I, I must have put them on like two days before the race. And, and inevitably, when you do that, you know, you, you, you get, you, you try and get down in the time trial position for, during, during the race. And you just immediately, you think, crikey, this feels so dangerous. I can't, I, I can't possibly do this. So I, I, I suspect I probably, in that first sprint triathlon that I did, um, I probably spent about two minutes on the aero bars because I was just too <laughs> frightened to get, <laughs> to get down on them. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, but as I say, I was still, you know, running, I'd say was still my main focus and, at that point yeah. and probably remains so for about three or four more years. Although yeah. I was doing a bit more triathlon each year, maybe I, I, I had a bit of a play around at Olympic distance. You know, I did some, uh, you know, some events there and I was getting some, some pretty decent results. I obviously got introduced to doing, age group competitions and eventually I went to my first age group competition or qualified for the first age group one which was uh, Rotterdam which if memory serves me correctly would have been 2017 and I qualified just tracking, for the- just tracking back a bit how did you find out were you in a club or did you know of a triathlete how did you yeah, find out oh, about yes yeah 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 so I was 
I was part of Manchester Triathlon Club, um, you know, at the time. Uh, I don't know who mentioned to me about doing a age group competitions or how I found out about it. Just on the grapevine, generally, someone obviously suggested that there was this, you know, pretty good setup. And I must say, triathlon is much more uh, well set up for age group competitions than athletics is really. I think athletics, you know, yes, it's getting a getting a bit better now but you know as you know in triathlon there really is a focus on the age group competitions and it's uh you know it's a as we've said before you know you make some you meet some great people you make some great friends but it's also when you get out there it's really good strong competition um you know and obviously i don't think, I don't think there's another sport like it to be honest no 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 i don't i don't think there is and uh and, and particularly on a British level as well, because you know that when you go as, as a part of a British team, you're always going to be one of the strongest teams as well. But that's not to say that, you know, you turn up for one of these events and, uh, you know, and because you're in the British team, you automatically win the thing. You know, there's still some very, very good, very good you yeah. know, inter- in, in some international competitors as well. As well. So it's really, it was really good to, to test yourself. So yeah, Rotterdam was my first one in, 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 20, in 2017. Yeah, and um, was that a sprint? Or a I, did the Olymp- I did the Olympic distance yeah. there. Um so and I came, I did get a medal. I came third. Well um, so I did, I did do, you know, I did, I did reasonably well considering, you know, I probably, you know, if I look back, it's five years ago now. I probably know so much more about triathlon now than I than I than I did then. So I would have been competing. So uh, 2017, that would have been my first year as a V40. So I was, I was at the bottom, very first year. Of, so I was a, a bit of a sweet spot, really. I was a, you know, a good age to kind of start because I was at the, the young end of that, of that 40 age group. Um, still, but still very competitive. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was competitive event. I mean, I was I think the 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 two what it was a British guy, uh, Donald Brooks, who you probably know, one of the sort of I've very strong him, age yeah, group, yeah. one of the, the very strong age group competitors. Um, uh, who is he's exactly the same age as me. And then there was I think an Italian guy who came second. They were quite away. To be fair, they were quite away in front of me. But um, yeah, I managed to, to still sneak a medal out of it, so that was I mean, good. That, and then that, that stands like uh, your background in great, you know, great stead, really, because. Obviously, coming from a swimming background, and then the run capability that you have. Yeah. You know, it's only the bike that you've recently been co- focusing on yeah. and concentrate on that was the weakest link, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Within, and, and within your first competition, you've gone and meddled. It's just uh, y- yeah, so it's it, your ability really. Yeah, it was good, and I, and I, I knew my run was all, and my run. I was still probably in you know, 31, 31, 15, 10K shape at that time. So that was a, you know, a very strong, uh, you know, performance. But I was, I, I mean, you know, you always hope that your skills are going to kind of carry you through. But I, I do remember that competition that I'd lost so much ground to the top two in on the bike that even my run just didn't get me anywhere near them. So I, I was still taking, you know, a couple of minutes out of, of, of the front two on the run, but I was still so far behind because my cycling really wasn't at, um, at mm. any sort of level that was uh, was allowing me to keep up with them. They were just, you know, so far gone that uh, that, that my, my chance of winning the event had, uh, had sort of disappeared on the bike, basically. So my swim was keeping me where I needed to be. My bike was losing me a lot, but my and then my run was kind of bringing me up at the end. Um, how did you find the transformation from like the pool into open water yeah it's a, an interesting one um i actually uh, you know to start with when i first started swimming open water was a, a was a little bit apprehensive about it even though i was a strong swimmer i mean i'd swum in my time of doing pentathlon um my 
200 meter PB was 209, which you know is a you know that's a, a pretty uh, pretty strong time. And in in pentathlon terms, at that time, the top guys were doing about sort of 201, 202. So I was a bit off that, but it was still you know in a that was in a short 209 was in a short course pool, long course, couple of seconds on top of that. But um, you know that was a uh, you know my, my swim was was reasonable, and I think open water did hold a, a bit of um, a concern for me. But actually. Um, I think I do benefit massively from, from the wetsuit. Um, I'm one of those athletes who relatively to others seems to benefit more from the wetsuit. And I've never, I, I wonder why that is. I don't know whether it's because I've got a weaker core or I'm, I'm quite tall and thin. So, and I always yeah. feel like my legs in a pool, you know, really sort of drop down yeah. quite substantially. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I always, I've, I'd always gotten much better sticking a pool board between my legs because if it, that, you know, that brings my legs up. I, yeah. I find I could, I could keep up with people, whereas other people might not get that much advantage, but the wetsuit definitely helps me out in an, in a, in an open water swim. And so once I realized that, that, um, you know, there was no concerns to swimming open water and actually relatively the, the wetsuit swim suited me better than, uh, I quite, I quite enjoyed that, really. <laughs> yeah, it's a different environment, obviously, to the pool, isn't it? And I find it a lot better to swim open water, personally. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I prefer. I think I probably prefer competing open water. I find it more more interesting. You know that sort of real race element. I find uh, sprint triathlon swims in a pool a bit frustrating, where you've got other people in the lane with you, and you're not really sure where everyone else is. Whereas I do, I do love that sort of the horn goes and everyone kind of goes off the off yeah. the. And I'm competitive as well, so I love getting in that environment where you've got some people don't like it, do they? Where you've got people you know, thrashing around everywhere else. But I, I, I love that. I thrive off that. I think that's really great. But I think for training, um, uh, I'd always stick with with being in the pool because um, you know you get your metrics and you get your sort of feedback, don't you? I mean, it's I think it's sometimes hard to tell how well or badly you're swimming in open water, whereas in in the pool, you know, you, you know. The distance is the same, and it's yeah. just easier to do your training sessions. And I get much more out of training in the pool. But then you need to do a little bit of practice in the open water just to make sure that you know you you've you've got your technique right and you've you know you you sorted out your sighting all that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a mix, isn't it? You know, especially if you're gonna yeah. you're gonna be racing in open water, then you need to yeah. you need to know the environment. Don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, excellent. So. so uh, yeah, I was going to say that. So yeah, after the um, I was going to say after the uh, Rotterdam event, I then did um, I did Glasgow the year after. That was 2018, wow. but that was sprint distance. Now I think from then on, it's become much more sort of sprint distance, uh, sprint distance focused. Um, and I realised that that was sort of probably my my better distance, probably an easier distance to train for because I've got a young family as well. Mm. So you know, yeah. Olympic distance, you know, you, you're talking about needing to do those longer bike rides, the longer running sessions. Um, whereas, you know, the, the sprint distance is still relatively short and sharp training. Although I've started working with a coach actually in the last 18 months or so. And I, people will probably look at my training and think it's probably more geared towards doing kind of sort of half Ironman and Olympic. Cause I do, yeah, I do put in, you know, a fair bit of aerobic training as well, but, um, uh, yeah. you know, the focus for competing is, is a sprint distance and that's as much to do with the hip as anything else, really. Um, because right. of, uh, um, uh, in the last sort of 18 months going back to what we said before having that had that diagnosis um that the uh that the, the the hip was in a in a bit of a poor way really i can only sort of do a couple of runs um three runs a week um uh so that the sprint distance off the back of that has absolutely become the focus and that for me will be the focus for this year as well so that's yeah. the those, those events that i'll be doing 
that's a good thing, isn't it? That you you're aware of that, so you're not going to do yourself too much damage, and yeah. you can and you can focus more on the bike. And with the bike being well, like it's still twenty k, but it's not a massive a massive amount. It's not twice the twice the amount. So you can focus on your bike and get your bike better. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think I've come into biking, funnily enough, at a great time with the whole sort of, I mean, actually that sort of lockdown period, everyone getting on Zwift, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, I, you know, back in the day um, when I was first sort of, you know, like starting doing a bit of cycling, I, I you know, the, the idea of sort of training over a win, over the winter was, was just so much more difficult and also arduous really, wasn't it? You know, you had kind of basic turbo trainer setups and, yeah. You know, whereas now the whole Zwift thing off, that's that's just spiraled off the off the lockdown period. Everyone's on Zwift. All your mates are on Zwift. You can do the thirty night time trials. You can do all the races. You can do training sessions on there. You can get on Discord and speak with your you, you know with your mates at the same time as you're doing a training session. And it's it's just worked out so so well, really. Yeah, and uh, you know the the, the 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 transition for me to getting to doing more serious biking has been, has been has been brilliant and i've actually i've enjoyed the training this winter as much as i've enjoyed any winter training at any of the sports i've done in the past really um yeah. you know so yeah thank, so, thanks to Zwift. So good because you'll, you'll go off and do things on zwift that you wouldn't do outside you know like your, yeah. your training sessions like your your sweet spot training and your, yeah. your hit sessions and things and you probably never do. You go for a long ride, or I would certainly go for a long ride on the bike or a social ride. Or, but I probably wouldn't go out and do half the sessions that I do no. on Zwift to, no. to bring and, you up to that to that level. And when you, I'm quite, I have to be quite sort of rigid and quite fixed with my training. I've got certain times when I can train because of the family or because of fitting it around work is often kind of you know you know maybe an early and get something done early in the morning or get something something done late at night. And you know, of course. Uh, in in the winter you know once it gets to three o'clock then you you can't you can't go out and train on your bike whereas you know i do a lot of my bike training in in the evening when the when the kids are in in, in bed um so I, I just wouldn't have been able to do that training that i've done but i've done countless sessions at seven eight o'clock in the evening over the winter that uh, you know if if it just been 30 years ago and you ha you actually have to do the training on your bike i just wouldn't have been able to do them so um it's it it's worked out really well for me <laughs> It would have been a set of the old style rollers, I'm afraid, in the shed. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tum tumbling, balancing on or falling off your, your rollers into the garage wall, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, so that brings us up to date then. Um, you've you qualified for the sprint triathlon. Uh, what have you done since then? Um, yeah, so, I, I mean the last couple of years has been has been funny hasn't it because you know there haven't been that many competitions so 2018 i did the uh, glasgow which is the one that was part of the yeah. commonwealth games um yeah. and i got a silver again i think donald won that race again so um yeah. uh, you know he's he, he sort of comes up quite regularly when i'm competing um so that was 2018 and then 2019 I, for whatever reason i think the competitions that i was keen on doing were either in ridiculous places because that's the thing with with triathlon isn't it you know you've got you, you as well as uh you know do you actually want to do the event you've also kind of got to look into you know is it feasible to get there or is it is actually a place that you you know you want to visit or is it does yeah. it combine with the time that i can train in the or i can compete in the year you know is a, if we got anything else on with the family or, or whatever so i didn't do a triathlon in 2019 i did do a, still some masters athletics in fact i did uh 
I think I did the European Masters 1500 meters that that summer. So I, I went back and competed on the on the right. track. Um, but then 2020 complete write off, yeah. and then 2021 was pretty much a write off until right at the end of the year, um, I did the um, sprint distance championships, which was the combined sprint standard race in Valencia when they had the Europeans oh, yeah. out there. Yeah. So I went out there at the end of last year. The only slight downside to that was literally the week before I've been I trained really well because you know there's nothing else to do was a join COVID you could only the train training was the only thing you could do so I was genuinely in really good shape um, and I just I'd started working with the coach six months before so I felt I gained plenty on the bike and there was something you know something to sort of really to sort of show for the training that I'd done and my youngest daughter was about two and a half at the time was just learning to ride her own bike and I, I was teaching on a bike and of course I was running over sort of bent over pushing her on on the bike and I pulled something in my back like literally the week before the race and I was in a, my back you know without hamming it up completely but I was in a really bad way the the night I did it I couldn't bend over to put a spoon in the top level of the dishwasher which basically meant moving forward by about two degrees and I literally couldn't do that I was just completely rigid um and even like, you know, I went, I went out to Valencia thinking, I'm not, I'm just not going to be able to compete here. I mean, I'm, I'm completely wasting my time. I even thought about not bothering getting on the plane, but I did. The, of course, the plane journey was really arduous because you, you cramped up on the plane, sat in a, a really sort of rigid seat. So that was a that nightmare. I tried to run the day before the race and I got a hundred meters down the street doing a half jog. And I just couldn't go any further. And I was just like, oh, this is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do anything. The only thing that kind of saved me was I've been having a hot water bottle on my back. That was the only thing that was loosening it up. Yeah. So I'd spent like just every sort of half an hour putting this hot water bottle on, on the, and I even, I warmed down, I warmed up going to the event with the hot water bottle stuffed inside my triathlon suit, you know, just yeah. to get my back like a little bit loose. And I actually think if the, because the, the swim and the bike weren't too bad, mm. it was the run that was the one causing me problems. I think yeah. if the run had been the first element of the triathlon, I wouldn't have been able to compete, but I did the swim, I did the bike, probably loosened it up a little bit um, and a bit of adrenaline for the competition. And I, I managed to, I managed to get through it. Uh, the really frustrating thing was it was what it was one of those daft COVID events as well, where everyone was like setting off at sort of five second intervals. So oh, you've got no idea where you were in the race. Yeah. You know, there was everyone was just at different sort of times. And, you know, you you literally had to cross the finish line and wait two hours for the results. Anyway, they came out and um, the three Spanish guys had, 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 had three really strong Spanish guys in my category and they were first, second and third. And I was I was fourth by about. 20 seconds so I, I just missed out on a medal but I was only about a minute off gold so I you know I'm not saying I would have won it but you know clearly I was hampered by the the back injury and I, I think I probably would have got a medal but you know sort of a debate as to what color that would have been had it had my back not been so bad um but you know you got to take these things and in the right way and um hopefully that that gave me a bit of motivation for training for this year that you know yeah. we've got a full year this year I've entered for both Europeans and and the worlds at, at the sprint in sprint distance and um you know hopefully um that poor experience in Valencia has kind of spurred me on to make sure that this time I can uh, I can challenge for some medals excellent well good luck with it all I'm sure you yeah. will, if you manage fourth with a bad back um well, gonna, yeah. you know absolutely smash it <laughs> yeah well of course and the added advantage this year is that this is my first year as a 
uh, I've moved up categories. Right. So this is my first year in the 45 to 49. So, I mean, sometimes that doesn't mean an awful lot because, you know, the, the categories, uh, you know, I, I think from sort of 40 going up to kind of, you know, even the 50 to 54, the standard is pretty strong across all three of those categories. Yeah, yeah. up, to, up to 60, 65, it's just yeah. like... Uh, it, it, in some ways... In some ways, it seems to mean that the the older you get, the more money that you've got to, to spend on a on a good bike. So, <laughs> it seems well, the standard think, yeah. sometimes well, gets gets better the older you get. Yeah, it's, it's not just the the equipment, now, but the level of the level of ability. Even yeah. you know, as you're getting up, and the amount of people that are involved, and in, as I've found in my age group, which is now I've gone up 55 to 59, the numbers just don't diminish. It's just like yeah. In the, 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 the most people in those categories. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. About those middle ages, you know, it's it's incredible, really. Yeah, but I'm I'm genuinely excited because I feel like this is the even going into the Valencia race, I'd I'd not had a proper winter of the of the new sort of train that I've done. As I say, I started working with one of the total tri training coach coaches, a, a guy called Chris Standage, who's a, a very good age group athlete as well, in, of his own own right, and has been a, a pro um, uh, also for for a period of time as well. So he's a he's a very strong athlete and he's kind of guided me on the, on the, on the coaching front. Um, but I, I'd only started working with him in about March, so February, March of last year. So right. I didn't get the benefit of the winter last year. Whereas this year I've got that full winter of having trained, you know, uh, under, under his guidance. And I, I feel like my cycling has definitely gone onto a, a different level um, for, for this coming season. So I don't think my runs lost too much. My swimmers, you know, is, I think, you know, I've not done any swimming races, but I, I feel from the training times that I'm hitting that my swimming has certainly not got any worse, even yeah. though I've got a year older. And it, in fact, it's probably kind of moved on a little bit as well. So, um, but I, it's the, it, I'm quite excited for just to see where my, where my bike actually is. I've got my first event, this proper event this, this weekend, I'm doing um, uh, sort of a, a local triathlon in, in Wimslow. That's my first um, race of the season. So I'm, I'm, really excited to see how um how things will 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 work out and just get the benefit of all that training that i've been doing excellent well good luck with it all like i said yeah thank, uh, thank you thank you you'll have to let us know how you get on yes i will yeah yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> let you know yeah and uh so, yeah uh, um, will you will you be out at any of the events this year are you uh what which events are you targeting do you you, you don't go down as as short a sprint distance do you yeah i'm i'm pretty much the sprint distance yeah oh, okay you're doing uh, sprints I right okay yeah yeah i haven't um I had qualified for Valencia, but I, whatever reason, I can't remember why I didn't go out in the end. Yeah. Um, I've got Bilbao, which is a duathlon at the end of the Ah, year. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I had, a, I had a crash about five five weeks ago. I had a qualifier. Oh, okay. um, duathlon again. Um, right. So I'm just in recovery from that, really. Okay. And, so and uh, are, you, are you still injured or are you able to train properly? I haven't got back on on anything yet. Um, just, ah. Yeah, this is the fifth week, so right, I'll well. hopefully get back on the turbo trainer and start building up slowly. I was supposed to be yeah. racing at uh, Clumber Park this weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously that's that's gone by the by. So yeah. That's frustrating, isn't it? Because you've had two years of not being able to do so much and then exactly. and then of course you know you you know you, you you like me you must have been excited about all the you know a full year yeah. of of of, uh, of competitions and then you know the, the crash means that you can't actually do what you want to so that yeah that's i can imagine that's really frustrating well like you say you've just got to take these things and pick the best out of it and uh, move yeah. on and get back to it 
it's yeah. something we enjoy anyway, isn't it? Like I always yeah. say, it's what we like to do, it's part of life. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed I'll see you out at some uh, some races soon, whether they be yeah, national or international or, or whatever they might be. Yeah, that'll be cool. So just the, the last few questions I've got for you. Yes, yeah, try me. Um, is, first quick fire question is, favourite bit of kit? Favourite bit of kit? Oh, well, uh, I'm slightly biased, but I, uh, I, I my day job is I work for New Balance. Um, ah, so I've, I've, so right. I've got to say... I've so got to say you're a lawyer for a... For a sporting company, yeah, that makes so, sense. So I've got to, uh, I've got to say a piece of running kit. So I'd say my, um, my fuel cells, my RC Elites, um, which are the, you know, the the New Balance, um, uh, you know, fast fast super shoes, whatever people want to call them. Um, yeah. And I think, the, I think they're brilliant. And um, one thing I really like about them, to give them a, a proper plug, is uh, <laughs> I, they're great for getting on in transitions. Because I've tried some of the other brands yeah. that I won't, I won't mention, but uh, there, I've found some of the other ones, particularly sort of the flimsy heels, can be really difficult to get on. Um, yeah. But the um, uh, the New Balance, I think, are great, and they feel much more like a normal shoe and give a bit more sort of support. So particularly when you've got those those going around those dead turns, they can be they can be really useful. And above all, uh, they were worn by both Alex Yee and Georgia Taylor Brown at the Olympics. So I if they're wearing them, they're, they're good yeah, enough for me. They were sponsored by uh, New Balance. Yeah. And I do, yep. actually, I do actually have a pair of New Balance. I can't remember, 1047s or something that I used quite a lot. Um, and I, I do like the New Balance. The, the yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, the um, Super Comp Pacer is a good uh, is a, a good shoe if you can get hold of them because supply is a bit of a, an issue at the moment. But uh, yeah. that's a really good one for doing your sessions in. That's sort of the you know the, the not the, the the all out racing shoe. That's kind of you know a good sort of lightweight training shoe. And a lot of people rave about that one. Um, I know Alex Yee again is a big fan of that one. Yeah, well, it doesn't do him any harm, does it? Well, exactly. Yeah. So I, I will say if it's good enough for him. It's good enough for most people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite resources for training like it could be websites it could be books what what do you go to resources well i mean i suppose uh i mean giving my training group a plug here really i mean the, you know, the guys at total try training have been great for me so I, I i really love that um you know upload my training get get, get my training from the coach from training peaks and uh and then and, and far away um uh I, I don't really need to kind of i think the fact that I've been doing sport for such a long period of time is I probably don't need to sort of search out that many resources now. Um, you know, uh, but I'll go back to what I said before. That I means Zwift has been a fantastic resource for me. You know, that that whole combination of doing, you know, races on there, train you can upload your training on there, so you can do, you know, do your sessions on on it. Um, you know, I I couldn't um yeah, I couldn't fault Zwift. It's been uh, it's been brilliant for me. Those Thursday night time trials, I do it with a group of lads. Um uh, one of the guys who I used to run with at Altrincham, who who got me involved in the team that I race in, we we race under um, the name of Horwich, which is a town where where Nick's from. Um, so uh, I, I love them. They're 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 one of my hardest sessions of the week, but they're absolutely brilliant as well. So it's so great hearing everyone like gasping their last in the in the sort of sprint to, sprint to the line on Discord. It's hilarious. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, what advice would you give to anybody wanting to get into multi sport or um, who, if they're already in multi-sport, want to do age group, want to get into age group. Sounds a bit um, sort of theoretical, not necessarily a piece of advice. But I think what you've got to be really careful with, and I've I've always been mindful of this, is you have to be. You, you will get loads and loads of advice, and probably the best 
the best uh, piece of advice I can give is learn to filter what is good and what works for you and what actually is just rubbish and either is poor advice or doesn't really apply to you. So you have to be quite circumspect with the advice that you do take um, because people are really friendly and they always mean the best and they'll give you loads of advice. But I think above all, don't, don't try and take everything on board because um, you'll just confuse yourself and you'll go to a start line in a, in a state of panic. Whereas just, you know, e each race kind of uh, focus on one or two things that you want to get right and, 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 and try and filter out all the other, all the non, all the nonsense. Don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I've never had that answer before. Um, there's another podcast I listen to, which is called Triathlon Mockery with Joe Skipper okay. and his, uh, his friend and they call it the bullshit buster. <laughs> maybe i said it slightly more politely than that yeah, yes did, yeah. <laughs> excellent well great answer great answer yeah and finally what are your short-term and your long-term goals uh well i suppose um short term uh, over the course of the next season i think um you know the fact that i was fourth in valencia i mean if i if i if i said that i, I didn't want to get medals or even try and win both the the sprint and world uh, sprint European and world uh, championships this year, I'd probably be underselling myself. So it might, I hopefully, don't sound too uh, cocky or arrogant saying that. But I think those those have got to be my my ambitions. You know, fourth place last year, I've got to be fueled by the fact that I need to be on the uh, in the podium in both those events. Um, and then uh, long term, I think just to enjoy the sport for as long as I possibly can. I think the last few years have made me, you know, things like with COVID happening makes you realize how much you miss the sport when you can't do it. I've, I've also had the dual issue of having that injury that, that, that I picked up that at one stage, you know, there were times where I thought, you know, actually, am I going to get back to competing at all? So, you know, it makes you count your blessings and realize that ultimately you, you, know, you enjoy what you do and no matter how good or how successful or what sort of what you win out of something, you just want to keep on, keep on enjoying it for as, as long as you possibly can. And, uh, that's I think also having had kids as well who are starting to do, you know, I've started helping out with a cross country club at my, um, my daughter's, uh, my eldest daughter's school this, this year. And, you know, just trying to get that in, into the kids as well. You know, it's not, it's not just about finishing first or being the best kid when you're nine years old. It's, it's just um, developing that love of, of being fit, healthy, active, doing sport. And, uh, and hopefully that eventually stays with you for the rest of your life, which is, I've been lucky that that's exactly what's happened to me. You know, I'm, I, I've, you know, you see so many people, I've seen so many people over the years who I started competing with at that age of being nine or 10, who had way, way more talent than I did, but they stopped competing by the time they were 13 or 14, you know, for what, for whatever reason, they just, just didn't enjoy it. Weren't, you know, weren't doing it for the right reasons. We're either doing it just because they were good at it or because the parents said they wanted to do it or, you know, but just hopefully try and foster when you, whatever you, however you're doing the sport or whatever you're doing, just make sure that you, that you enjoy it. Um, that's, that's always what I've done. And probably re one of the reasons why I've moved around a little bit, I've always kept, you know, you've heard from a story that I've always kept active, but I've, I've kind of chopped and changed with setting myself different goals and going to find different challenges to, you know, just make sure that interest and I keep fresh and I, I, I you know, that that's something that I've got to, because for me, competition is a, is a big part of it. So I want something that's challenging, but also achievable. So that's why I've moved, you know, from pentathlon, did a bit of running, did different events within running, you know, moved back into try into multi-sports, doing triathlon and, um, you know, find something that you really enjoy and it's going to challenge you. And it's not, 
you know, that the, the ultimate target isn't, you know, impossible to achieve. Don't say that you're going to compete, you know, or win the Olympic gold medal when it's probably chances are you, you, you might not, but you know, don't also sell yourself short and just go down to the, you know, the local village fate and, and win the, the, the 10 K by five minutes, you know, set yourself something that, you know, is going to really challenge you. And I think I've kind of always sort of refreshed myself regularly by, by setting myself different challenges like that. Cool. It's the journey, not the destination. Yeah, 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 de- definitely. Yeah. And yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're on it. Well, that's a great place to land it. Thank you ever so much. No it's problem. A great pleasure to have you on and listen to the to the story and the journey. Yeah. And um, yeah, pleasure to meet you. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Yeah. So thank you ever so much for spending your time. Yeah. And as I say, hopefully see you at uh, some of the races this year once you're back after your injury. All right. Cheers, Rich. See you soon. All right, mate. Thanks a Thanks. lot. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Bye. So thanks again, Matt, for coming on the pod and sharing uh, your journey uh, into not one type of multi-sport, but two um, and reaching world class in both of them. Quite a feat. And let's hope you can reach uh, your goal and get that gold medal that you're striving for. And that's it for this episode. Thank you again for joining us and um, I hope you've been entertained. And if you'd like to get in touch, as usual, you can send us an email to agegroupmultisportpodcast.gmail.com We're on Instagram at am underscore 1967 so you can DM us if you'd like to come on the show and share your story. We're also on Facebook at ampgb and... We're on Twitter at Age Group Multisport Podcast. We have our own YouTube channel where you can find all the previous podcasts. And that is YouTube at AmpGB. You can find all these podcasts on the usual platforms, but we have our own website, which is the Age Group Multisport Podcast.buzzsprout.com. And they're all on there also. So thank you very much. It would be much appreciated if you could leave us a like um, on Apple Podcast, and I think you can do that on Spotify now. Uh, a review would be even better. Um, and a thumbs up and subscribe as well, because all these things really do help to uh, promote the, the podcast and get it out to a wider audience. So much appreciated. So until the next episode, stay safe, keep training, and love the process. Mm-hmm.